2: Welcome in. It's another 92.9 March to match day. Atlanta United hosting the Portland Timbers Saturday night. Broadcast starts at 7 p.m. for the Five Stripes Countdown. You can listen on 92.9 The Game on the Odyssey app on the Atlanta United app. You can also listen on Sirius XMFC. And once the game kicks off, you can listen to our audio on the Apple TV MLS Season Pass. You just go in and choose the home team radio option. Full-time report will follow for an hour after the final whistle. It was a fun time last weekend in Charlotte. When you get two goals that early and then a third before halftime, makes it a very comfortable day at the office. Second half was what it was. Atlanta United gets the 3-0 win. I say was what it was. I, I guess there is some chatter out there about uh, the second half they didn't play very well the second half didn't matter <laughs> it was a 3-0 lead and you still saw guys like yorgos yakimakis tiago almada luis Arujo defending and putting in the work to defend the clean sheet was secured and after the final whistle and you saw it in this week's at&t countdown to kickoff that the club released you saw it in the weekly report on apple tv That celebration from Brad Gazan and his defensive unit was absolutely genuine. This team has been grinding, trying to get that clean sheet. And they've been really close. They haven't given up a ton of chances this year. They haven't given up a ton of good opportunities. They haven't given up many shots on goal, to be perfectly honest. And they finally get the reward. They get the clean sheet and they get the big win couple of things coming out of Charlotte that I wanted to touch on and and I feel like this has been a little bit of a theme during the season. Game 1, you give up the goal to San Jose early, you have to fight, scratch and claw and do something that frankly you don't do very often. Uh, Atlanta United all time when conceding first, 8-51 and 17. It's hard to come back in games. It's just difficult. That's not purely an Atlanta United thing. It's just difficult. First goal means a lot. Leading at halftime means a lot. Trailing at halftime. Win trailing at halftime. Atlanta United, 637 and 15 all time. These are real numbers. San Jose, that's a big win to come back and get that. They did concede first against Toronto. It wasn't early, but they had a pretty immediate response to pull one back, had opportunities to go ahead and win it. They couldn't get that done. Script flipped in Charlotte, and that is vital because let's let's flip those numbers. You can always look at the negative and find it if you want, but win scoring first, Atlanta United, 77 wins, 13 losses, 19 draws. That's all time since 2017. Scoring first is pretty nice, huh? Leading at halftime, 57 wins, eight draws, three losses ever when leading at halftime. Again, leading at the break, pretty nice, isn't it? Especially when you have a three-goal lead at the break, especially when you score three goals. This is something that I always bring up a lot. Atlanta United, when scoring three goals, 22 wins all time, three draws, one loss. That one loss was on the road to LAFC in an insane game that finished 4-3 in 2019. Scoring two goals. That second goal is so vital. Let's compare the one to two goals. When Atlanta United scores one goal in a match. They are 14 wins, 33 draws. There are 33 losses, 19 draws ever, anywhere. 8-11 and 19 at home, obviously a little bit better at home. But you score one goal, and you got to try to make that stand up. 14, 33, and 19. You score two goals. You get two. 34, 5, and 14. That's a huge... Huge difference. You get two or more goals all time. And I'm going to try to do math really quickly here. 72 wins, 17 draws, and six losses ever when you score at least two goals. When you score two on the dot, it's 34-5-14. When you score two or more, 72, 6, and 17. Goals matter. Duh, right? They do. Goals being scored first matter. Numbers back it up. And again, this isn't purely an Atlanta United phenomenon. Leading at halftime matters. Getting the second goal in a game matters. Getting the third goal in a game, especially before halftime, matters. And Atlanta United did those things. And they kept Charlotte off the board. It was a really nice win. I think there's so many good performances out of it. Obviously, we're going to get into uh, Mr. Wiley here in just a second. But Franco Ibarra, great once again in that number 6 role. His tackle on Enzo Capetti in the first half, I thought, set the tone a little bit for Atlanta United. In this one, the whole back line, Brooks Lennon, Andrew Gutman out wide, Juan Oparata, and Miles Robinson, just solid as can be. There weren't a whole lot of clean looks for Charlotte, every single starter in the match had at least one of tackle, interception, blocked shot. Everybody, from the defensive group to Miguel Berry up top. That's a statement about how Atlanta United defends, and I thought they defended really well all over the field, and not in a reckless way, not in a chasing, you know, chicken with their head cut off kind of way in a very organized yet intense way. And that's something that's going to be needed against the Portland Timbers. Portland is not at full strength, which we'll get into here on March to match day, but they can be dangerous and they are going to be dangerous in certain ways against Atlanta United. We'll get into some of that as we go, but as you are getting accustomed to on March to match day, you're going to hear from many of the protagonists involved in this match at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and we're going to kick things off with Atlanta United's captain, Brad Gazan. I had a chance to ask him about last week's man of the match, Caleb Wiley, and just what it means as a captain to see a young player who's come through the club since he was a preteen to having that kind of a performance on the road.
3: Yeah, uh, I think more importantly than obviously the goals, I think is just the confidence that he has on the field and, and the accountability that he's taken to one be in the first eleven, but then two to go on and, and be a, 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 an important player for us. You know, a guy that you know is, is the reliable, dependable, and and we know when the ball goes out to him that he's he's gonna say, yeah, come on, give me the ball, and I'm gonna take somebody on, or I'm gonna get to the end line, or. or you know, in the case of last week's course, scored two goals, right? So, um, you know, that part has been really impressive to see. And, and you know, we, we still give him a, we keep him humble. We keep him grounded <laughs> here, third, you know, Monday to Friday. Um, but, you know, it's, that, that part's exciting. You know, he's he's got, obviously has a bright future ahead of himself. Um, but, you know, I, I think he's got the, the right work ethic, the, the right mentality to, to go on and do great things. But, um, you know, for him, it's day by day, week by week.
2: Another key element of the win in Charlotte, Caleb Wiley started things off with a bang and the Atlanta United Academy also showed out towards the end as their 10th all-time player to play in an official match for the first team made his MLS debut, a Johnny Fortune player that I've had a chance to call uh, many of his matches with Atlanta United too over the years. Hard work from him. He earns the opportunity. Gets on the field late. Not a ton of time to make an impact. But he's someone you will hear from more and more as the season goes on. Johnny spoke to the media this week. And he spoke about kind of just the the process as you've gotten into Game 3 of the regular season before Charlotte. And Gonzalo Pineda had mentioned his name many times. And, and said that he wanted to to, to see him get onto the field he was asked what kind of conversations and what he does to get ready to play
4: I mean
3: it's it's always been the regular stay ready um I don't think there's been direct conversations about it but I know at the same time like I'm just gonna keep trying to work and and get my name in, in the conversation that's the biggest thing and I trust that when he puts me in, it's because he believes that I'm ready for that opportunity at the time. So I'm just going to stay patient and just keep waiting. And i you know, glad that last weekend was one of those chances.
2: Also speaking to the media this week, Juanjo Parata. And massive credit to Juanjo for speaking in English and really giving it a big go. I wish I had the the confidence in my Spanish to try. Like he did, and he was great, um, absolutely great. I think he had to to ask for a little bit of clarification one time from Justin Veldhaus the Atlanta United uh, with with Atlanta United's Communications. Here is Juan Oparata when I ask him about the center back group with Miles Robinson, with Luis Abram, with Noah Cobb, and the competition between them.
5: It's been uh, it's been great, good. It's a health competition, we all know that we want to play, but uh, yes, we are trying to, to do our best day by day, so we are a uh, good. Uh, good. we feel good with each other in the trainings, we sometimes may like with males, sometimes play with Miles, but sometimes we play with Maris, Mona, we feel good as a team, we are very good.
2: We're good. Next up on March to Match Day, let's go back to El Capitan Brad Gazan with a question about where this team is and how they got ready before the Charlotte game to give that kind of a performance. Progress is something that teams are always looking for. Here's Brad about Atlanta United's progress.
3: Um, no, I think it's a sign that, you know, uh, when I talked to you guys before the first game of the season, Talking about what preseason was all about in terms of, you know, the understanding, the terms of getting better with each and every game, with every training session. Um, I think that's what it's a sign of, of more and more clarity, more and more understanding of each other, understanding of the tactics of what the manager and the, the coaches are asking of the players. Um, and then, obviously, in terms of execution, going out and, and getting close to it. Because, like I said, it's, it's not been... Perfect or or great for an entire 90 minutes, and, and that's what we're clearly shining
2: for. Next up, let's hear from one of the voices calling this match. Not mine. I'll talk enough on this show. Kevin Egan, our old pal, had a chance to speak to him. He will be on the call with Kendra Day St. Alban on Apple TV, MLS season pass. You'll be able to listen to Kevin and Kendra there. You can also choose to listen to Mike Conte. Now you can go back and forth, and that's that's what's always the best way to do it. So Kevin has seen Atlanta United obviously over the years many times. He's called an Atlanta United game this season. I ask him, you know, kind of what this game will turn on. What will will make the difference between Atlanta United and Portland on Saturday? Here's Kevin Egan
6: uh, for Atlanta United. I, I think if you can get at, if you can punish them early and not fall behind. Falling behind has been a real Achilles heel for this team. Um, going back through last season. This season, as well, obviously, and uh, the two home matches. And it, it's so challenging. And here's why it's the domino effect of you fall behind, the opposition feels that they can sit back, and they'll put, you know, they'll put five behind the ball, and then their midfielders will drop in as well. Then, Tiago Almada, the domino effect of that is he drops further and further back tries to make it happen and he's picking the ball up from the central defenders and it becomes so challenging and difficult to create. And that was what we saw against San Jose, I found. I, I, I didn't feel it was a, a, an overly impressive performance from Atlanta United, a team that grew throughout the game. Um, I thought San Jose deserved something more from the match, if I'm being honest. But Thiago Almada having to drop so deep, we saw him have to do the exact same thing against Toronto. And I'd love at home if Atlanta United... Well, I say I'd love, I, I, I'm an impartial commentator now at this point with, with Apple too, but I, I, if you're an Atlanta United fan, you want to see the five stripes score early and have Portland have to come out and chase the game and let that game open up. And if that game opens up, man, there's no better player in the league than Tiago Almada in transition. And if you've got Araujo and Wiley wide or or Derek Etienne wide, and maybe it's Yaku is leading the line or, or, or Miguel Berry, like this, this team could cause an awful lot of problems um and it sounds so obvious to say score the first goal but that domino effect an ability to for the opposition to sit back and then tiago almada having to, to to feel the need to drop deeper and deeper i don't know if that's a great recipe for success
2: next up on march to match day let's hear from atlanta united manager gonzalo pineda he was asked about what he expects to see from portland in terms of shape in terms of tactics This is a team that is a little hard to predict at the moment with all of the injury issues that they're dealing with. But Pineda spoke about what he's expecting and I think the respect that he has for Portland manager Giovanni Savarese really comes shining through here. Let's hear from Gonzalo.
5: Well, first of all, no assumptions. Um, uh, Portland, if I know something about Portland, is they are always competitive, always competitive especially with Gio, I think uh, no matter who they put on the field, they are always competitive, battle, uh, fight for every ball, so um, I I know that side, so I don't think they're a team that are going to be feeling sorry for themselves for having a lot of injuries, they they are going to come with everything, try to win and try to beat us, so uh, no assumptions at all, Uh, it's for me more the process of how we do that. I understand your question. Most of the time, we're, we've been dominating in possession events, and how we do that, I would say, around the world, is something that is very mm-hmm. difficult to do. It's, mm-hmm. it's not easy have 11 players on 30 by 76 yards and, uh, and, and and put a player with time and space in front of the goal to score goals. So it's not easy to do. What we're working on that today was a bit tactical on different scenarios. One of those was that breaking a low block. The team did very well scored score a couple of goals and we're happy with that. Obviously, in the game, it's always different challenge, different tactics. Maybe they play 4-4-2, 5-3-2, whatever lineup they come up. Uh, we need to be able to find the solutions. Part of that is just the principles. How we are doing that, regardless of the positioning, I put them in the pockets, outside, inside, three on the back, two in the middle, regardless of that, is playing with tempo, play in the sprint, play fast the ball, move move them side to side, trying to unbalance them by the quality of our passes, but pace, And that's kind of the main thing we're talking about also runs in behind, wall passes, counter movement. So, a lot of things to throw out there to have different options to break a backline of uh, five or six or four. Uh, we, we need to work on that, and that's the evolution.
1: So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe? Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Speaking of Giovanni Savarese, the manager for the Portland Timbers, let's hear from Gio on a few different things. He spoke to the media in Atlanta today, the Portland media. He was in Atlanta. the The travel has, has kind of thrown a little bit with match day minus two media um, into a little bit of chaos because Portland traveled from the West Coast to Atlanta on Thursday. They trained this afternoon, and Savarese was asked, you know, just to kind of start things off with where the team is and what he's expecting um, in the match against Atlanta United and. You know, what he's looking forward to about being in Mercedes-Benz Stadium? Yeah,
7: uh, happy to be back in in Atlanta. I mean, we haven't come here since uh, 2018, so um, coming here is always good to come back to. You know, to this uh, a city like this um, to play against um, a good team, competitive team, a team that uh, they are starting to find their their way. Uh, and, uh, and for us, uh, for me particularly, it's trying to, um, uh, put a competitive team on the field that can, uh, that can, uh, that can go with the belief that, uh, that we can win And and, uh, the guys have the mindset, even though we're very limited in the number of players that we have, uh, you know, even though we try not to talk too much about that, it's a reality, um, and, uh. And um, and with that, you know, with that said, we we still we still come in here with uh, the limited number of players that we have to try to get a good result. Um, So the guys are ready to put a fight in and and ready to to play this this match against a good team. Um, Gonzalo has done a good job, a little bit little to find the way. And uh, and we know that it's going to be a a competitive game uh, coming up tomorrow.
2: Two more clips from AC. First, Gio was asked about Thiago Almada and, and how Portland will deal with him and also just how Portland will, will kind of deal with themselves with all of the injuries that they are battling through at the moment. Here's a couple of, of answers back-to-back from Giovanni Savarese. I mean, yes,
7: of course, uh, we're going to talk about Almada because uh, he's been able to provide some of the goals that have given the chance for Atlanta to win. But I don't think that this team is only a, 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 Mada, a, a Almada. I think there's, you know, a lot of good players. There's uh, quality players. Uh, the club has done a good job to bring um, a good group of, of players uh, that, um, you know, uh, that can be competitive, that have quality. Uh, in the middle, you can see the options that are there, um, you know, for, for selection. And Almada, of course, you know, that um, even though he's young still, he's coming from a World Cup, you know, being a champion, um, he has a lot of quality uh, on the field. And and now you, you, you can see that maybe that experience that he had in the World Cup gave him a little bit more of uh, a leadership factor uh, into the team. But you have, you know, players like Araujo, you have Ibarra, you have Roseto, you have... I mean, you have a, a lot of good players in the team. Uh, and that's why, you know, the, the team is is gonna be competitive. That's why I think a little by little you know, now um Gonzalez found a way to play. Uh it's very clear the way they, they play. Um and uh and I think uh, the only player that can hurt you is not Almada. They have, as I said, all the players that can be able to score and, and manage the game in a good in a good way, but we, we're prepared with the players that we have. Um, we were ready to be able to. We have a good plan in place and ready to 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 perform. Um, but I know that was going to be a you know a, a competitive game. Yeah. So the fact the fact that they have good players and 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 the fact that we know they're a good team. Um, That doesn't mean that we don't have a plan. We do have a plan in place. We do believe in our plan. We believe that we can hurt this team as well, even uh, with the players that we have, um, or or even without the players that we have, because the players that we have uh, are here to be able to perform. Um, So uh, the ideas are clear. We're going to finalize everything tonight with all the little details. Um, And the guys are ready to, to step on the field tomorrow, excited to be able to play this game and, and hopefully, get some guys some minutes, uh, uh, productive minutes that way they can, you know, continue to progress.
2: Thanks to everyone for speaking to the media today Giovanni Savarese, Gonzalo Pineda, Juan Parata, Brad Gazan, and Ajani Fortune. All right, let's get into this a little bit deeper. Atlanta United and the Portland Timbers. I, I thought it was a really good week of training for Atlanta United and, and what we got to see. On Tuesday, the entire session was open to the media on Thursday. The first portion was and what struck me and Gonzalo Pineda talked about this week being a little bit of a a kind of a deceleration in in terms of the workload, because when you're when you're building out a, a season preparation plan you have to have some some peaks and valleys. You can't continue to push and push and push at the same levels throughout the year because games start to happen. Travel starts to happen. International duty starts to happen, as you'll see a number of Atlanta United players away next week. It gets complicated. So you have to plan to slow things down a little bit. But what Gonzalo wanted to do this week was slow things down in terms of workload, but not lose the intensity. And that intensity showed big time in Charlotte. On, on Atlanta Soccer tonight, I kind of referenced old-school WWE with ruthless aggression. And that's what it felt like. And that's what it looked like in training this week, especially on Tuesday and the activities that the team did. They were short in duration, but extremely intense. And not intense with flying tackles in and everything. Intense with the speed of play. The speed of ball movement. Uh, tight spaces. Possession work, moving from one end to the other. Things that help keep you sharp and keep that intensity high. And I'm expecting to see that for Atlanta United against Portland. We've talked about injuries with Portland a lot. And Giovanni Savarese was asked about it extensively in his media availability today. Here is their official injury list. Felipe Mora out with a left knee. Sebastian Blanco out with a left knee. David Ayala out with a right knee. Girona Espria out with a right knee. Jimmy Charra out with a right hamstring. Christian Paredes out with a right hamstring. Evander out with a hip. Eric Miller is missing with an excused absence, and Savarese was asked about it. There uh, has been some conversation in the Portland media. Eric Miller's wife is expecting, and uh, this is a good absence, according to Giovanni Savarese. It's really Eric's news to break, but. Good news on this side. The one good absence for the Portland Timbers is Eric Miller's. So, what does that leave, and and, and what do they do with that? I, I think what they do isn't really a huge surprise here. I think it's going to be a five-three-two. We've seen them play in that three-five-two. It, it can be both, and don't get hung up on on the numbers and and where people line up because those wing backs can turn into deep-lying defenders when they need to. They can also turn into attacking weapons when they need to. So I'm expecting that. I think Portland looked good in that shape in their comeback attempt against LAFC. They looked pretty good in that shape against St. Louis. St. Louis creates a chaotic game, and you do have to remember that when you start looking game-to-game, result-to-result. St. Louis is, is a, a team like Philadelphia, like the Red Bulls, like Cincinnati, that lives and dies with their press. They turn the game into a series of transition moments, and it's hard to get a flow. And Portland's a team who wants to play with the ball. Uh, they're going to have some problems doing that in it right now just with their, their availability list, but also against teams like St. Louis and against teams like Atlanta, who live and die with the press in a very different way. I, I don't think they die with the press, an Atlanta United team, because they're about having the ball. It's not pressing to create opportunities. It's pressing to get the ball back and then create your own opportunities. Very different mentality. That might not sound like a big difference. It's a massive difference. The counter pressure, which is is generally what you're going to call it in this situation when it is to get the ball back, not you don't want the ball you're trying to create with your press. Atlanta United does it to get the ball back. Ball turns over. They want to immediately turn into intense defenders to win the ball back. Portland in their 5-3-2, I think will play fairly direct. I think they're probably going to have to. The interesting element is who is the third central midfielder? Because we saw Paredes start there in the last match before he was injured. We've seen Evander in there. He's not available either. Diego Charra will be the one who sits the deepest. Eric Williamson might have to be even more of an attacking threat in this match in that midfield. It's probably what it's turning into. The center backs, uh, Zuparich, Mabiala, McGraw, all solid. Um, McGraw can be a huge weapon on set pieces. Mabiala can as well. The wing backs: Juan David Mosquera. Really like his start to the season. He's been Portland's best player according to the ratings over at Sofascore.com. Um, Claudio Bravo, two fullbacks/slash wingbacks who can get forward and produce. You want to make them defend because if you do and and you do things correctly, if you're Atlanta United, you're going to create either two v ones outside with your fullbacks and your wingers combining up against their wingbacks, or you're going to start dragging people out of position. And, and I'm sure Giovanni Savarese will be prepared for those moments. How he's going to be prepared is the question. Do the center backs slide over and and, and kind of become auxiliary fullbacks? And it turns into a bit of a line of four. Does a, does a central midfielder slide over? Is he going to ask Charra to do it a lot? What does that look like? And that's where you get into the unpredictable nature of this if you're Atlanta United, because when you see a team that is at full strength, you know how they play, it's more predictable to know, okay, this is what they'll probably do to defend us. This is how we'll deal with that. There's a little bit of an unknown here in, in terms of how Portland deals with the situation. The one, and I think it's a, a safe assumption in terms of what is known. I, I think they will be, Fairly direct in their play because they're going to be missing Paredes. They're going to be missing Evander. Potentially going to be uh, asking Williamson to defend a little bit more. They will try to get the wingbacks forward to put in crosses. That is true. But I think they're going to be playing up to the front, too, and ask them to try to make things happen on their own. And what Savarese did last time out against St. Louis is he paired nathan fogaja uh, and santiago moreno moreno maybe not a traditional nine in that sense he's not a big number nine that you expect as a target he can kind of run off of Fogacha, Um, he could run off of nice lots of different options for portland there and moreno becomes the wild card Atlanta's got to be careful with him. They've got to make sure that he's accounted for with his movement. He's going to try to drag defenders out of shape, create lanes for Williamson, for Mosquera, for Bravo to get forward and create. Franco Ibarra becomes very, very important in this one, assuming he continues as the number six. He's got to stay connected positionally with his center backs to make sure you have that numerical superiority in that part of the field. I think that's really where Portland is, you know, with with all the absences they have. And, And you heard Savarese talk about just how limited they are. I don't think there's a whole lot of other surprises they can throw at you. I think it's going to be fairly direct. I don't think they intend to come in and just park a bus. They might have to park a bus from time to time, and I think they probably will. But they're going to try to get those wingbacks forward. They're going to try to get Williamson popping up in some dangerous spots. They're going to try to get some combination work between the forwards. What does Atlanta do to go against that? Numerical superiority out wide is a key. Without wingers for Portland, you can create mismatches against those wingbacks. And I think that becomes a a very important element of Atlanta's game. I think you've got to be sharp in the, the final third because it will be crowded at times, and you've got to find ways to pull players out of their spots. You've got to find a way to pull defenders away from their areas. You've got to find ways to make them uncomfortable. Movement is likely going to be the way to do that, and we saw good movement off the ball from Miguel Berry and Charlotte. His run on the third goal created a big lane for Atlanta to play through that movement will be essential. Arturujo, very unpredictable with his movement. Uh, Caleb Wiley can be very, very unpredictable with his movement as well. So movement off the ball to give Thiago Almada as many different opportunities to be dangerous in the attacking half as possible. I do think he'll be further up the field uh, than he was at times against Charlotte, and he has been at times in the first three games. Uh, I think it's a, a little bit, too much of a concern in some circles about Almada dropping deep and getting on the ball in his own half, it becomes important to play out of the back when Almada can help do that. He can become the extra man. He can be free. You Obviously, you want him on the ball as much as possible. Go back to the the third goal in Charlotte, prime example. He flashes open. It just unbalances everything. But you'd love for his touches to be in as dangerous as of a position as possible. Um, he was very efficient a, against Charlotte. I'm good any which way, honestly. Tiago Almada is the kind of player to me that he can go find the game wherever he wants to go find the game. I trust him because he's that good on the ball. In this game, I don't think he'll have to go as deep to get on the ball. So, If that's the case, then he has to be crafty with his movement because then it becomes a little bit easier for Diego Chara to kind of not mark him, and I don't think Portland will do that, but account for him. Make sure he knows where he's at. Close him down quickly. Almada's going to have to to move maybe shorter distances, but be a little unpredictable in, in that movement, the turn, the feint the stepping one way to go, that double move, you know, taking a hard step to the right and then drifting off to the left, things like that. Tiago will have to be very uh, crafty in the attacking half to find that space. And that's really what it comes down to for Atlanta United. Movement off the ball, create the overloads out wide where you can. That's going to pull things apart and be ruthless And, and be absolutely ruthless when you get your opportunities in the attacking third. And When Portland has their opportunities, be ruthless in getting bodies between the ball and the goal, not just to drop, but to be able to then pressure the ball. You got to make sure you have cover to then be a little more aggressive. And goal number one in Charlotte's that prime example. You had numerical superiority, five versus three in that area where the ball was. A Sadic could take a chance and lunge in and try to knock a ball free. And he did. And that started... The avalanche of goals that we saw at Bank of America Stadium. I'll take another avalanche of goals here. Be nice to call. It'd be nice to have a game that is a little low stress. It's a, a, a series against Portland that generally has been stressful. MLS Cup in 2018 was maybe the least stressful game that these two have ever had. Uh, two wins for Atlanta in the series. A really good win out in Portland in 2019. The MLS Cup win, Obviously. Two draws. The first two times they met were draws. And in the last time out in Providence Park last season, Portland got two penalties. They ended up winning 2-1. What happens on Saturday? You're just going to have to wait to find out. 7 o'clock, Five Stripes Countdown, 7.39 kickoff. You will be able to listen to all of it on two nine The Game, on the Odyssey app, on the Atlanta United app. You'll be able to listen to the pregame and the game on Sirius XMFC, channel 157. And you'll be able to listen to the game itself, our commentary, on Apple TV, MLS Season Pass. If you want to choose the home radio audio option, you're also in good hands. If you don't want to go through all that trouble, you can listen to Kevin Egan and Kendra Desant St. Like I said, I recommend flipping back and forth, getting those different perspectives. That's what's fun about this, right? We'll be back with another March to Match Day next week as Atlanta United, not at full strength, with an international window that MLS is playing through here, traveling to Columbus. And it'll be a very interesting week at the training ground and a very interesting week for Gonzalo Pineda and his staff to figure out the best 11, knowing that a number of usual suspects will be away on national team duty next week. We'll get there after this game with Portland. Enjoy it be back with you with more content on the off the woodwork folder and also on 92.9 the game's youtube page adios everybody
4: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds